Rolling Deep. I am your host, John Kingston. I'm coming to you from Kissimmee, Florida. It is pronounced Kissimmee, correct? You got it. Okay, you got a lot it. of people really mangle it. Anyway, I'm, <laughs> I'm down here at the annual meeting of the Truckload Carriers Association, and uh, we're going to drill deep today with David Heller. Dave is the Vice President of Government Affairs at TCA and a, a longtime friend of FreightWaves. He's actually one of the first people I met in my relatively short period of time <laughs> in the trucking industry. So, uh, so Dave... Dave, yesterday you chaired a very good meeting here at TCA uh, with three people who lead truckload companies. They're all relatively young. Yeah. I got the sense that maybe, were there anybody in their 40s there? There were. There were okay. some 40s, I think even younger than that. Okay, well, definitely, definitely at yeah. least one person who was younger. Uh, well, let's talk about who they were. Uh, we had Cameron Wilson, who's the vice president of Wilson Logistics. We had J- John Coca, who's the president of Diamond Transportation, Wisconsin-based. And we had Karen Smircheck, the president of Veraha, is it Veraha? Veria. Veria, uh, trucking also based in Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, a really uh, terrific uh, discussion. And um, I think, you know, there's, there's talk about this industry's old, that the boomers are running it too much. They don't connect with the next generation. But here was the next generation of leadership. And uh, they certainly had some interesting ideas about not doing things the old way. Yeah, and and that's kind of what is starting. You're starting to transition into that. You've got that next gen that seems to be coming forward because it, all these family type of businesses have family that are moving up into the into the ranks of leadership, and and they're adapting their styles to to what the world is today and and how they run their fleets and and they've got their own practices and they've developed their own style and it's working. And and we as an industry. We have to embrace that. We have to recognize them and we have to take, pick their brains for lack of a better word so that our fleets that are, are going through that same transition can, can use the lessons they learned from those that were on the stage and put them into effect in their fleet. I mean, this is trucking. Everybody goes through the same thing. And so if you don't highlight some of the new things out there, um, some people may get lost. And this was an opportunity to share some of their wisdom that they've experienced and, and bestowed upon others. It was interesting, at least two of them. And I'm not sure about Karen, but, uh, um, uh, Cam and John both indicated that they thought they would not go in the family business and, <laughs> and, and ended up doing so. This is, this is one of those situations where diesel always runs in your blood, isn't it? And, and that's the same thing happened to me. And look at you. I mean, how, how did we think we'd be in trucking at some point in our right. lives? And we just kind of got into it. Well, I, I covered oil. So, the, you know, diesels with, I've, I've always had a little <laughs> bit of diesel in my blood. And now I, and I've been doing this 25 years now. So I'd never imagined it growing up that I'd be part of it. But the same can be said for, for, for the folks on stage because other than Cam and he got a, a transportation logistics degree, but the other two didn't necessarily, they maybe saw themselves in family business, but Karen got her accounting degree. John even said he wanted to be a writer, a sports writer. And, right. and, and he said, he said he went into the newspaper business and realized he can't make any money. And then he went into the trucking business and realized he can't make any money there either. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they're dealing with the, those issues. You're right. But at the same point, they're, they're very successful in the companies they're running. But the reality is that you probably know, I mean, you had three good guests there on the panel yesterday here at the TCA annual meeting in Florida. But the reality is there are a lot of truckload company owners out there that are probably at this meeting here, and you're not hearing the same story from them. They're saying the next generation is not interested. Well, there's yeah, there's a work ethic. And I think, you know, I can go back to my pri- my life and say, you know, I've got my son that I'm trying to instill my work ethic and get him away from video games and get him away from his cell phone or what have you. And it, And it's we're a hardworking industry. We always have been, and we always will be. And, and there's a mantra to that and a pride to that. And I think that's one of the things that 
that we're trying to grasp or we're trying to find those people that have that work hard mentality that previous generations always had. Yeah. It was interesting. They said they really felt a particular responsibility, not just for them, but for any family members who were working in the trucking companies, their companies, to be a little bit of better than everybody else. Mm-hmm. That if, if one, if even one no good nephew is trying to coast along, like the damage that does to the whole business is significant. And there's some optics there, right? I mean, how do you how do you work for a person that may or may not be perceived as coasting along, like you said? So they've got to try a little harder, work a little harder, set that tone, be that example, and go from there. And it, it's it's an interesting aspect, and it, it it's a level of of overcoming that they certainly have to have to go forward with. But it's interesting that you know Cam told a very interesting story. Now Cam is not the head of the company. No, uh, he's he's up there. I yep. mean, he's one of the higher ranking people, yep. and works his tail off. I'm sure. Yep. Told a story at your session that he went to San Francisco for a weekend. Yep. He just he'd been working like crazy. He had to dial it back. He just tried to cut off from everything, and he got a call from a driver, and he said to the driver, "Look." You know, I, I, I'm away this weekend. Yeah. I set this weekend aside for me to relax and recharge. Anyway, he ended up losing the driver as a result. Mm-hmm. And I really wasn't sure what he was saying was the lesson of that because you have to be able to cut off sometimes. You have to be able to recharge in your personal life. Yet he tried to do it and he lost a driver, which for a company, I didn't really catch how many drivers yep. were in his company. But it's not like losing one of thousands. We're, we're talking under 100. Well, yeah. And there, well, the, you know, this generation we're dealing with the ultimate connectivity, right? They, cell phones, internet, email, all at their hip and their they're constantly in contact with everybody at their fleet and everybody on their management teams. And so sometimes it gets to be a bit too much. And you do have to have that that moment to step away where you just turn things off and decompress and, and not have to deal with it. And that was one of those situations. And I think he, he was stressing the fact that there are times where you do have to step back, that there are times where you have to take a moment to reflect what you're doing, because this is a hard industry and, and these people work hard and sometimes you do need a little break to catch up on, on knowing who you are or, or you'll just get lost in it. It was interesting because I went to your session right after I went to the session chaired by Tim Hines. Mm-hmm. Actually, I can't say chaired by Tim Hines. It was Tim Hines. <laughs> and uh, of course, Tim Hines is the head of Stay Metrics and does a lot of work on recruiting, retainment and studies on why drivers leave. And he, and I read, wrote a story for Freightways. It's actually published this morning. Uh, he, Posed a hypothetical scale of one to ten. Uh, what do you think about uh, how, or how fortunate should you be to have a job as a truck driver? And he said he felt like the drivers themselves would give it a one or a two. Mm-hmm. The your grandparents would give it a nine or a ten. That you should just be happy to have a job. Yep. Uh, the millennials would give it maybe three or four. And you got the sense yesterday from the three people that you interviewed, the three up and coming uh, truckload carrier executives that they were sort of somewhere in the middle that they but they understood that the millennials had a little different approach yeah and there's a responsibility or levels of responsibility and accountability that go with it and the millennials do have a different approach they've got that approach where they just want to keep going or or you know i think cam even referred to at one point he wanted to walk in and be ceo day 1 and it you know those things don't always work out in fact they rarely do so there's a bit of a recognition that you actually have to do some things work hard and be respected, earn the respect of those that you're working with and those that work for you. And it's kind of an opportunity to develop teamwork and, and that entire approach because you're only as good as those that work around you. So you have to not only concentrate on working on yourself and making yourself better, but you have to concentrate on making the team around you better so that you can operate efficiently 
comes down to a lot of different things. Sometimes it's empowerment of your employees. Sometimes it's empowerment of yourself and rec recognizing that at some point you're going to become that ultimate decision maker. And, and that's what it is. And, and it, this is an industry that, that respects hard work. I said that before. And, and you're looking at some of these people, you know, some people, you're always going to deal with those that, okay, it's a job and I'm going to do it. And then you've got other people who are going to say, this is a job and I want to do it. And there's a different aspect between the two people. Okay, so you deal, you've dealt with the old guard of truckload carrier company ownership. You led a panel of the new guard. Do you really feel that they've got significantly different perspectives on employees and the work life in general? I think they're dealing with a lot of different things than than the quote unquote old guard had ever had to deal with. You know, technology is coming leaps and bounds. You know, you write about a lot of this that that seemingly has come at this industry in a very fast paced manner, if you will. Um, ELDs, for one, has shown that this technology is coming and the data that those devices are producing are, are generating benefits for fleets all across the country. And it's highlighting things like detention time, which we can actually now start to do things about because we see that data out there. So this new guard of, of trucking or truckload carrier ownership and, and presidents are, are dealing with that aspect and, and, and siphoning or sifting through all the data and all the devices and all the technology out there to see what's best for their fleet in terms of things like ROI and, and, and what is going to make their drivers operate in a safer manner. So I think in those aspects, remember, remember the days of when anti-lock brakes came out and, and it was kind of that same thing, but it was just that now you've got cameras, you've got all sorts of analytics that you're looking at and, and that's what's being thrown at them. So it's a constant manner in which they are trying to decipher it to see if the and, ROI exists. For their and do you fleet. think the younger owners are a little bit more up to speed on this? And the, the, I mean, because because the, the baby boomer owners aren't that old. I mean, you're no. talking about people in their 60s. So it's I mean, they've been dealing with technology since I don't know when you want to say it started, but you know, at least since the thir since they were in their 30s or 40s. Sure. And it goes back to that same thing, right? If I have a problem with my computer, my cell phone, the first person I'm going to talk to is my son who's 14. And he can probably figure it out because they're almost used to that technology. Some say simulators, for instance, are a great way to train the younger generation because they're that video game generation right. that is certainly mm -hmm. used to some of these things. And it's easier to hit reset and go back and see that. So it's a part of their lifestyle, their demographic that they've always embraced. And now it's creeping its way into the workplace through technological advancements. And it's easier for them to interpret it than it would be for people who are a generation that's just not used to it. Right. So let's talk about the meeting in general. Sure. Uh, this actually, and let's let's go back. My my first trucking meeting was the Truckload Carriers Association <laughs> meeting two years ago, okay. also here in Kissimmee. And of course, the discussion was about driver retention. And yes. and I may have gone to a presentation by Tim Hines or somebody like Lana, uh, Lana Bats, and uh, people who have made their careers about driver retention. And I keep going to them. I interview them for the podcast or for the radio show. And you start to wonder, like, is all this effort really moving the needle or is it just keeping it from getting worse? Well, and, and that's the question. And you have to look at drivers as a whole and, and how they exist. And there's a certain, you know, we talk about capacity of freight all the time. Now you have to look at capacity of drivers and, and where are you finding your next driver and how you're keeping the ones that already exist. And, and it's two different equations, but at the same point time they come into very heavy play within your fleet because you don't want to constantly have to churn that wheel trying to replace drivers that you already have you want to hold on to the good ones so that eventually your fleet can dial it in and have 
model drivers, if you will, and I'm using that in a generic sense, but good qualified drivers that are driving your trucks, they're getting behind the wheel of a, a $150,000 vehicle. Uh, and, and a lot of instances more expensive than some houses in, in the world today. So it, in saying that, it, it behooves them to actually go down that road and find that and hold on to that qualified driver while continuing to search for the next qualified driver. Capacity of drivers is certainly running short. Um, some will say it's a market-driven approach, and others will say there's a driver shortage. And I, for me, I, I don't... I don't have the luxury of that opinion because I don't have my name on the side of a truck. So at that point in time, they're going to make the decisions that are best for their fleet. Yeah. Um, insurance. You're here at the meeting. Yeah. Not ju- you're not just here at the meeting. You're in t- contact with truckload c- company owners all the time. Yeah. Is this become like almost, it's not as big an issue as keeping drivers, but boy, it's got to be issue 1A. It's growing, isn't it? Uh, I, I, I sat at breakfast this morning with somebody from an insurance company, and he conceded that he was not the most popular person here. I can imagine. I wouldn't want to be one of those guys right now, if only because of the massive rate increases that are coming out. And I, I think I know of one carrier that actually saved money on insurance last year, from last year to this year. And I think everybody else has kind of fallen in that 20 to 30% increase range that they've paid. And and it's one of those situations where it, it, nobody has a good story about trying to find a new new insurance and and what they're doing and and they're making all these changes technology so they think it they're going to come out on the better end when it comes to insurance but that's just not the case these days. Well, the gentleman that I sat with also noted something else that uh, of course insurance companies take their premiums and they invest them usually in fixed income assets. Mm-hmm. We've got over the last two weeks, a collapse in interest rates, which yep. is great if you're trying to refinance your home, <laughs> but it's not a great if you're an insurance company and you're investing in, in new fixed rate assets at a low rate. Sure. And so the returns aren't there to actually lower because interest rate, excuse me, insurance rates do go down. Yeah. They're, they're, they're kind of almost like trucking rates. They go up and they go down. But right now it's kind of hard to see the scenario in which they go down. Yeah. And, and, you know, you have to start looking at the cost of insurance and, and how it's, how it has affected fleets out there. I, what every week we see a story about a new f- fleet that seems to be closing their doors, and and just some of the costs that they're incurring, they just they can't absorb it anymore. So sometimes it's better to just close your doors than do anything else, and that's kind of what's going on in the industry. So there, it's a it's an interesting game right now when it comes to insurance. Yeah, I'm looking forward to tomorrow's panel on the nuclear verdicts. So yeah, it's a good panel. And uh, actually, I tried to get uh, I'm sorry her name. Uh, uh, the woman who's going to be on the panel, I'm forgetting her name, to, to be on to be on Drilling Deep. But she said, ah, she didn't know if her clients would, would like that. So, <laughs> so what else are you hearing here? What else are people talking about? Uh, it's probably, I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying the meeting, but it's probably not, it's not a real great time. High insurance rate, low rates, uh, Conagra virus, mm-hmm. Conagra, coronavirus, coronavirus, excuse me. Uh, and um, it's not a great time, is it? No, and it's interesting because there's a lot of things that are having in its, its effect on the industry. So you've got those massive issues like coronavirus. You've got a presidential election coming up too, which is going to come into play in this industry. No matter how you look at it, it always does because they're talking about infrastructure and reauthorization and some of the one-offs that may stick to that. So there's a lot of things being talked about and and it's not always good news. Sometimes there are issues to be concerned about that truck only VMT that's going discussion that's going on on Capitol Hill right now. Everybody's got got some questions and discussions around that technology and, and what's the right thing to invest in as you look at some of these one-off bills that may require a mandate on it. But at the same point, this industry has always done a good job of, of weeding out the bad actors when it comes to technology and, and putting the devices on trucks that actually work. So 
where where's that middle ground and how do you find it? And, and coronavirus is laying out there. We start hearing more and more specifically when you have such a large convention like this, people start worrying about the effects it has. And I think everybody tells I think I've heard three stories already today or jokes or however you want to make it three already today about it on top of the dozens I've already heard this week. But you think about truck drivers. I'm not saying that they're going to be carriers, but but truck drivers are driving through multiple parts of the country. Mm -hmm. They're not going to drive around protected. They encounter different people at truck stops. They encounter different people on the loading docks. I mean, you could imagine uh, a truck driver or two uh, becoming a carrier of the coronavirus and spreading it around. Yeah, it's, it's not that much you can do. I can't think of what you can do about it. No, but you, and remember, if, if something like that, you know, for lack of a better term, came made this industry come to a halt, there, it would affect a lot of things in the economy, delivery of, of hospital supplies. So if, if the driving force in this nation actually came down with one of these the types of viruses, it definitely becomes problematic. I, I remember seeing one of those things, what happens day one if trucks stop, what happens day two if trucks stops, and it's whole chaos type of situation. And it's not a fun thing to look at, but you're amazed at the impact this industry has. And if, a, if something like the coronavirus were to bestow, befall this industry, it may have some sort of different, interesting effects. Did you give any thought to canceling this meeting? No, 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 we did because, not. Because on the, the day that it started or the day after it started, the fact is that uh, the Journal of Commerce big meeting, TPM, which of course is a transportation-oriented meeting, yep. was canceled. They were in Long Beach, California mm-hmm. this week. And a big, very big oil meeting that I was going to attend next week, Sierra Week, also has been canceled. Yeah, and we, we did not give any thought to canceling. Uh, you know, obviously there's concerns and we want to take precautions without a doubt. Um, but at the same point, I, and I've seen some of the cancellations and a lot of them are West Coast at this point in time when, you know, because it's obviously coming from China and coming from the West Coast. So the thought process was, let's still have this. You know, our members still want to be here. We haven't really had many inquiries from people saying, oh, are you going to cancel? We haven't had anybody cancel because of their worries about it. So at that point, we were like, let's put it on. And it's a worthwhile show, as you can see. Yeah. Uh, let's switch to a couple of other issues. Cool. Uh, FEMSA this week said, I believe there were 7,000 drivers that have ended up in the drug and alcohol clearinghouse. Yep. Uh, nobody really knew of course, that number starts at zero. Yep. Nobody knew how fast it was going to get to 1,000, 10,000, 15. Were you surprised by the number? No, I wasn't. In fact, I think there's something like 650,000 drivers registered with the clearinghouse. So, it, you know, if you look at it in that scale, percentage-wise, no, that was kind of around the ballpark that I was expecting. So, it was- right. Now, let, let's talk about how you get into it. Obviously, you get into it if you fail the test. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if you're working for XYZ Trucking Company and you just stay at XYZ Trucking Company and they don't test you, you won't be there. No, you're right. Okay. Um, so, it, so how, how, of the 7,000, what are they, how are the ways most likely to have gotten in there uh, besides, well, besides having issues? With sure. Obviously, let's say they get, their name gets pulled on a random drug screen and they have to go get, get a test. They'll get the results of that test. If it's a positive, we'll go into that system. Um, if it's a new hire. Uh, so they have to take a drug test when they first come to the, the trucking company. Their name will go on the system if they pop a positive. Or, and, and the churn in this industry is so incessant that exactly. you can see where that many new names would go in. Exactly. And, and the question's there. Is, and that's where kind of we talk about this capacity. And then as it relates to our industry zero tolerance policy for drugs and alcohol behind the wheel, it makes perfect sense. So now carriers have the ability to go look up a potential driver as, you know, we're talking about recruitment and retention too. And they can see that the drug history that's recorded in the clearinghouse and they have, they know what that driver's done. So at that point, they'll make that decision probably not to bring them on most likely because of some of those insurance costs we talked about. All right. 
Uh, tomorrow you're going to have a speech by Mr. Mullen, the, yep. the acting head of FIMSA. Yep. Chances of him becoming permanent head of FIMSA? Uh, I don't. I, I can't speculate that. I like Jim a lot. He's doing some good things, and he's really open to the industry. He's kind of carrying the torch of what Ray Martinez had before him, and is real concerned about the things. Wants to bring those accident numbers down. So we're a fan of Jim's. We like working with Jim's. We like we like working with everybody over at FMCSA, and without a doubt, they're they're a good group of dedicated people there, and and they're really open to answering questions. And and sometimes they don't run and hide from the hard questions. And, and they do believe in accountability for some of those issues. It's been several months now, but were you surprised by Ray Martinez's resignation? Yeah, yeah. That, that kind of, I was I was a little shocked when that happened. And I was like, wow. And, and Ray's a great guy. Um, I saw him a couple months ago and he's doing well, but I was a little shocked about it. I was, I was okay. Because he was doing a lot of things for this industry. He didn't always care, have great news. I mean, in, in a short time, a lot happened on yep. his watch. Yeah. I mean, you, the ELD mandate went into effect. That's mm-hmm. huge. Yep. And, and of course, then he also was behind for the proposal for changing the hours of service. Sure. And and here we are. We're still waiting for those changes. I believe it's at OMB right now being reviewed. And 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 Jim stepped into those shoes and he's continued moving that ball forward. And it, it's one of those things we like the availability to industry. Um, like I said, they're not always filled with great news, uh, but they do make themselves available, which that's a lot to be said for someone in their shoes. All right. Biggest last question. Biggest unknown or under the radar issue for 2020? <laughs> it's going to be, it'll be reauthorization. And it's not an unknown. It's just and a reauthorization. Highway reauthorization. Okay. The FAST Act obviously is expiring in September. Um, it'll be reauthorization as it relates to the presidential election, as it relates to the pay-fors, because that's the unknown is we have, a, we have to fix our roads and bridges. There's no way around it. We have to figure out a way to pay for it. So what what sells that program and, and what do our congressional leaders say? When does this have to be done by? Well, you remember last time when MAP 21 expired, we had 13 continuing resolutions. So I mean, it's hard to imagine a complete rewrite of this or redo in, a, in, a, in an election year. I mean, it's already March. Exactly. So the 13 CRs that happened last time, if you put that equation to this one, certainly – the time frame is flexible, and it always has been. Remember, this was part of the platform in 2016 election. Here it is, that platform again, and coming up to the new election. So when are we going to get this done? But it has to get done. I mean, we, we have to get serious about fixing our infrastructure. There's just no way around it. It's certainly taking its toll on trucks. The maintenance costs are rising from, from basically the deteriorating roads and bridges. So the biggest unknown right now is going to be the pay for and how to do that. So it's one of those things. We in the industry, we want to do our, do our share and we want to pay our fair share, but it can't just be the industry. It has to be everybody that uses the roads and bridges. And that's the conversations we need to have. All right. Dave Heller, our guest today on Drilling Deep, here from the floor of the Truckload Carriers Association annual meeting in Kissimmee, Florida. Dave, where are we meeting next year? Uh, I believe we're set for Nashville next year. Nashville. Okay, very good. Do you come here every other year? Uh, there's a cycle to it. So okay. it's either every two or three years. Yeah, we'll it, come was, back it was here. two years ago we were yep. here at the Gaylord Resort in Kissimmee. Anyway, thanks for joining us today on Drilling Deep. Dave, and to the audience, I'm John Kingston. This is Drilling Deep. We are part of the Freight Cash family of podcasts from Freight Waves. Join us again.